Hey, it's John Santucci from the USA Today Network here, of course, with the great genius, Chris Boyle. Chris, any other words I was supposed to throw in there? I don't think genius was one of them, but go ahead. All right. Well, you're, you're, you're in the baby's room again. And now is the baby trying to sleep right now? Let's just clarify that. So the baby's downstairs with my mother-in-law. We're okay. good to go. <laughs> All right, so let's have a little fun. Let's let's just jump right into some recruiting news. Had a couple big commitments Sunday. Let's talk about those. First one is uh, in your neck of the woods, Nice tight end Grant Stevens, outstanding pass catcher, commits to UCF. I'm sure that brings a smile to your face, quite frankly, because you are a UCF guy. But for people who haven't seen him, talk a little bit about Grant Stevens, what he brings to the table, and, and how do you like that fit at UCF? Yeah, when I talked to Colin Drafts, who's the head coach at Nice, he's also a, uh, a former Arena League quarterback. He mentioned catch radius is the big thing. It's a, This is a kid that you put the ball up anywhere, it can go up high point, it can really show some off, uh, show some athleticism for his size. He's about 6'4", 220 pounds. You figure he'll certainly bulk up as he gets uh, a little bit older, a little bit bigger, and into a college weight program. But it's going to be that seam – Option, it's going to be trying to get vertical. They want a guy that can come in there and, and make an impact as a pass catcher, and they can develop him certainly into a blocker in that scheme as well. But, you know, yeah, it, I know UCF was in on him a lot. They talked to him even after he committed to Coastal Carolina. They maintained that line of communication. He was a big priority for them, especially when uh, Tyrus Washington, another tight end target of theirs, committed to Arkansas. So it, it was a it was a good fit, and he wanted to be closer to home, and uh, you know it sounds like that's the place he wants to be, and it's another another win for UCF on the recruiting trail this year. They've had a really good year in the state of Florida, as we're going to get to in a minute. Yeah, Chris, and I want to say this too before we jump into UCF. I, I love the pass catchers at tight end specifically that we have in this class, and I think it's I think it's one of the more underrated kind of position groups in the class of 2022. But you've got. You know, uh, Amari Nyblack, who's going to Alabama, who could also play wide receiver, quite frankly. You've got um, Grant Stevens, who I've said even when he was committed to Coastal and, and throughout the process, that he's under, kind of under-recruited and under-ranked for, for his ability. Um, you know, you've got um, Thomas at St. Thomas Aquinas. You've got – oh, man, I'm, I'm missing some now. But this is a phenomenal class. Uh, you know, the guy at Berkeley Prep, there's guys all over the state right now um, at tight end. It's a great spot. Let's go into what you said, though, earlier. Why is UCF having so much success in-state? And I know this, again, another one of those things that brings a smile to your face every time we talk about it. But, um, you know, they've landed some of the top recruits in in their history. And they're yeah. all from within a couple, you know, uh, kind of 100 miles from the school. And this is a school last year that had a total of five signees from the state of Florida. I know we still got a couple months for signing day, but this class is in great shape why do you think they're having so much success right now? Well, I think you kind of touched on a little bit. I think effort plays a lot of the, the the role into it. They're really trying. They really want these top echelon guys within, you know, 50 to 100 miles from home to stay there. Uh, they've they've been, you know, the UCF has struggled for years under different regimes to get those upper tier players from their own backyard to come on board, you know, whether it's, uh, relationships the coaches have elsewhere. You know, you think about when George O'Leary was there, for instance, and he was at Georgia Tech and was a New York guy, and they recruited a lot of Georgia and a lot of New York. And, you know, you look at Josh Heupel and, the, and some of the connections he had in the Midwest. And, um, you know, even with Scott Frost, they, they, they really opened up the Hawaii pipeline when he was out in Oregon. But, you know, Gus Malzahn, 
you know, you look at his his track record has been deep south. You look at you know, the fact that you're, they've been targeting a lot of guys in Alabama, a lot of guys in Georgia, a lot of guys in Florida. That this is you know SEC country, and all those years that he's been able to build up those relationships in states, uh, right in the backyard for UCF is is paying dividends. And you know they've been able to do a lot more, I think, than anyone would have anticipated. And not only are they getting good players from the state of Florida, they're getting good players out of winning programs. They've Never really had a lot of luck out in Lakeland. They've got two guys there now. They have a player from Seminole. They have a player from Apopka, uh, from Chaminade Madonna. They've got players from state championship contending programs, and that's going to pay dividends, I think, right out of the gate. Yeah, I agree with you. And, and here's the other thing, that, and this is more of a personal deal, but if you are a school in Florida, if you're one of those seven you know, FBS programs, you don't need to go – outside the state for the bulk of your recruiting. You should do a bulky recruiting close to home, and then you kind of supplement, I need this player, like you were saying, from Hawaii. They've they've had a lot of success in Hawaii. I uh, don't know if it's just the climate or what, but um, the fact that UCF went outside the state so much last year, I, I did not, personally, I did not like that. I, I think if you're only getting five kids from Florida, that that's a huge problem. Um, and so... I love in, so, in so much as, you know, you, you want to get kids from Florida and you want to get kids from Orlando, they kind of have to want to go to you, too. They want to have to be there. They want to be a priority. And and for years, they they weren't. Or, you know, the, the gap between Florida, Florida State, Miami, um, and UCF were, was was much bigger. And now it's really not as big between not only the on-field winning Nothing's percentage. changed but- between signing day last year and five months. They haven't played one game since last signing day, though. That's my argument to that is right. the, the program uh, wins losses wise. Yes, Gus has obviously changed the trajectory of that program, at least from a, a PR standpoint, because nothing's happened on the field yet. But uh, this is a school that a couple of years ago is celebrating a national championship, whether or not you, you think they won it. Um, but so, you know, if you're not feeling as a recruit like they want you, I think that UCF dropped the ball, and I think they're picking it up again, and and I like seeing that um, as long as they don't not recruit Miami because I went to the U. All right, l- let's go to South Florida now. Brandon Innes commits to Oklahoma. I'm going to jump on this one. The top receiver in the country, I think, and, and certainly in the state of Florida. And, and here's the thing, and you and I have talked about this. The 2023 wide receiver class in the state of Florida is loaded 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 so if you're even in the mix in that conversation um you're exceptional brandon innes being the number one guy in the nation you know there if you don't understand just by the ranking how good he is you know go go watch his his huddle film um scored a touchdown against img on uh friday Uh, it's one of those things kind of like the miracle game if if you uh if you score on the goalie keep the puck kind of a thing um you know, if, if you catch a touchdown against IMG, especially with that secondary, you're doing a lot of things right. And obviously it's a team game, but Brandon Innes is phenomenal. Great explosion, can catch the ball in traffic. Uh, the, the touchdown he caught on Friday, I, I was watching it on video. I was standing right in front of him when he did it. I still can't figure out how he went down, caught that ball between three guys. So um, phenomenal player. Let's jump to this, though. Oklahoma has two of the top ten recruits in the state of Florida for 2023. Can it sustain – that success. What do you think? I think Oklahoma is going to be able to long term. And we've talked about this, you know, in, in past conversations, the move to the SEC, I think is really going to help Oklahoma um, make inroads here. They've, they've been able to pull a handful of kids 
out of Florida over the last maybe half decade. I, I think I, I think of a handful of examples, but you, you you factor in their style of offense. It's very attractive, and the fact that they've been able to develop NFL quality quarterbacks uh, with with succession and with uh, with regularity. It's one of those things where if you're a top end offensive player, you're going to see a team that scores a boatload of points playing now in the best, you know, what's regarded as the best conference in the country. So I think the, that maybe that was the missing piece for some of the kids out of the Southeast and, and Florida specifically, you know, do I, do I choose Alabama? Do I choose Florida? Do I choose Georgia or do I choose Oklahoma and go further away from home when I'm not going to be able to play all these games in my backyard now that kind of gets thrown out the window and you're still playing in an offense that wants to, you know, attack vertically and, and score, uh, score points every time it touches the ball. Right. The, the interesting thing with this, and, and again, going back to past conversations that you and I've had privately, uh, it, it's an interesting dynamic because Oklahoma and you would imagine Texas as well will be recruiting this state more, but you're not going to be, if you commit to Oklahoma now, you're not playing in the SEC until most likely what your junior year, sophomore year, something like that, because it, it's still mm-hmm. a transition. So um, it, it's interesting to see them having this kind of success early. I completely agree with you. One of the most dynamic, if not the most dynamic offense, um, at least at the power five level. So, uh, and, and you're talking about a guy who by all accounts is, you know, a, a savant when it comes to calling offense in, in Lincoln Riley. So, um, I like that fit for him, certainly. I wonder if they'll be able to sustain this momentum, though, because um, you were still, what, 14, 16 months out from, from signing day yeah. in 2023. So, all right, let's jump into two more Sneaks things. Sneaks up on you, though, John. What's that? Sneaks up on you. Yeah, right. How would – this was uh, something that was broke uh, broke in the news Friday. It, it appears the NCAA is very close to adopting – um, class expansion for the class of 2022, which is crazy considering we're only a couple months away from, from the early signing period. But what it would allow is, um, it seems, depending on what model they adopt, between five and seven extra scholarships for at least the class of 2022 and potentially long range. And, and most, some of this is, is a response to, hey, the NCAA gave all the kids in the transfer portal you know, immediate, the ability to play right away. So a lot more kids were in the portal. Um, But the big picture is the transfer portal is absolutely hurting high school recruiting. We've been talking about this for over a year now because it it just got more obvious during this last recruiting cycle. I think it's been a problem for a couple of years. If there's, let's use the number five. If we are looking at, at, you know, 600 more scholarships or whatever that number is, you're better at math than I am. Uh, we did that yesterday. Mm-hmm. How much will that change this class right now? Whenever the NCA adopts that, how much will that change recruiting over the next four months? I mean, certainly the first thing you think of is it's going to give a lot more kids an opportunity. And we we wrote a story, the two of us uh, earlier this year, about a genuine uh, feeling among college coaches, high school coaches, and and some players that. You know, those opportunities may or may not exist. It's all those fringe guys that we're waiting on this. We, we you know, we're, we want to see film. We want to see, you know, we want to see in person all those maybe uh, those those lingering questions. I think you're going to see a lot more chances get taken now. You're just going to have an opportunity to say, look, you know, 
there there's this there's reason a b and c but now we've got an opportunity to add to our roster that we didn't know we'd have let's just bring him on board or at least make an offer at this point so you're going to get a lot of kids that probably would have had tougher times by the time december and or february rolled around to get into a division one school and uh they're going to have an opportunity now and i also think you know particularly at the um power five level you know some of those guys that maybe were I don't know if afterthought is the right word, but certainly like lower on the on the recruiting board and maybe committed elsewhere. Maybe they go back in for him. You know, I think the guys that are in your your signing class right now, if you're you know not an established power, that might this might change things just because of the fact that you know they're going to have just as much opportunity as you to play with now, and they're going to be able to be able to take in a few extra guys they didn't know they would be able to get. Hundred percent. I think what you know the the ripple down effect both ripple down or. I don't think ripple up is a thing, but whatever that that trickle is, down, like in it, like a trickle trickle down economics. I cover football. I don't know anything about it, <laughs> but uh, the the idea though that there would be five more scholarships um, potentially. I want to be clear on that for high school recruits this year because you're most likely not going to dip five guys into the portal. You might you might find one if 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 he's there in December, but you're probably going to start loading up again on high school recruits, which is great. Um the chaos would be unbelievable because you're now talking about, you know, you're not just going to offer five more kids. You're going to offer 20 more kids and hope that you get five, you know? So yeah. this is going to be if you're a power five, you feel great. If you're a group of five, you're probably a little bit excited and a little trepidatious because you don't know who you're going to lose now to a power five school. I love the idea, though, like you kind of said, we're going to see some of those kids that have been on the fringes, maybe a kid that you would have said in the year, I don't. we don't have a scholarship to take a flyer on that project. You might save one or two of those and say, look, we're going to find a kid. You know, I'm going to go back to this example because he's a local guy for me. Khalil Mack had one scholarship you know, which was the University of Buffalo. If more people would have seen him, maybe you look at him and go, hey, you know, we're going to offer that kid because he's raw, but he's got all the physical tools. Um, maybe if you got five more scholarships, you can take those kind of chances. It could be fascinating down the road to say to some of these schools, hey, was this a guy who was in your class originally or is this a guy that, you know, those five extra scholarships really um, changed changed the dynamic of that kid's life? So, I, I love the chaos. I, I probably shouldn't since my job is going to get busier if it happens. But um, one, I love the chaos. And two, I, I want to see that those scholarships going to high school recruits. I, I'm, I'm, I've been frustrated by the amount of kids. Um, and understandably, they're, go, they're going through the portal because these colleges don't have a ton of job security, right? These coaches. So would you right. rather get a kid that's been in a college program for three years and, and weightlifting and eating and all those other things? Or would you rather take a high school kid and you hope he's doing all those things? Yeah, the the impatience yeah. has really been uh, staggering. You know, they used to be you'd hire a coach to try to build a program. Usually by year three, year four is when you really start to factor the results. And you know, these schools want to win now. They they don't want they don't want to wait three four years anymore. They want to bring in you know, and and you look at I'll use UCF as an example. We've talked about we've praised their high school recruiting. They've also brought in a ton of guys through the portal. Like they they brought in I think nine players or or so through the portal that are going to instantly affect that roster. And it's a matter of, it's like you said, it's, do you want somebody that can help me right now? Or do I want the guy that I have to wait some time on just to have the physical uh, ability to play division one football? 
And it's good not only for um, for these kids as far as the portal is concerned, but also the pandemic. You know, the fact of the matter is, is there just hasn't been a lot of uh, in-person scouting up until June. There wasn't any. Um, so a lot of these kids hadn't been seen till uh, since they're maybe the end of their sophomore years, even their freshman years. Some of the film just, you know, was the only thing they could rely upon. So the fact is that these extra chances are going to be uh, beneficial for that too, that you're, you know, allowing all the kids that haven't had a chance, but also because you have more guys on rosters um, that are holdovers because of the extra year of eligibility too. For sure. All right. Let's, let's end with this. And we're going to keep this very generic on purpose. What is coming up this Friday? Let's start with this. Chris Boyle, where are you going to be? If people want to follow you on Twitter, uh, what game will they, will they be hearing about? John, it's Tuesday. Uh, I have absolutely no idea, considering the state of the the state of high school football. Around, I genuinely do not know where I will be on Friday. My tentative plan is to go to Spruce Creek and Seabreeze, which is a, a, a pretty good rivalry in Volusia County. Um, you've got Spruce Creek, a team that's got legitimate dreams of getting uh, going deep in the playoffs this year with 18 starters back and, and some good players on that squad that we'll, we'll talk about later in the year, but. And let's face it, the uh, the pandemic is playing a part, and uh, you're seeing cancellations left, right, and center. We've had two in my coverage area already. We had a post uh, two postponements within the last 24 hours between DeLand and Mainland, which is a huge rivalry game, and then Pine Ridge's trip to Flagler-Palmco. So by the time Friday rolls around, I genuinely don't know how many games are going to get played. We, we expect a lot. We hope a lot. Um, but you know, that's kind of the time we live in right now. And the fact that we're, uh, seeing this third wave and this, uh, the spike that we've got of, of overall COVID cases, you never know what's, what's going to happen on a day-to-day hour by hour basis. Yeah, it, it's, it's difficult time. Certainly, uh, you know, we, we, we've seen Cardinal Gibbons and Venice, uh, has been, uh, postponed to later in the season. Fortunately, their it appears their bye weeks will match up, but, um, you know, it's it's disappointing to see some of these major games uh, getting canceled or, or postponed. And quite frankly, you know, it's not just the postponements. We're going to be de- I, I think if we ask the coaches who's starting on Friday, some of them are going to have the same response you did, which is it's Tuesday. Let's see how contract tracing goes the next couple days. You know, I had one coach tell me yesterday I played all of my backups in the fourth quarter. Because I need to know if I lose seven starters because of contact tracing or whatever, that I know what they can do as backups in a game. So, um, you know, we're, we're obviously in, a, in, in incredible times, unfortunately, not in a good way. Um, my plan is to go to uh, Deerfield Beach to see um, Edison at Deerfield Beach, which is just a ton of South Florida talent in that game. Um, and then hopefully I'll be at uh, St. Thomas Aquinas on Saturday to see them play St. Francis out of Maryland. So that's my plan. Chris Boyle, it's always a pleasure. Tell the baby he can go back to sleep now if he wants to get back in his bed. Thanks. And uh, have a good one, man. All right, you too. Thanks, John.